So today, this is uh, part two uh, with Dr. Ariana Love. Um, if you've watched the last one, then then you'll um, have noticed that uh, she's an amazing, an amazing woman. She's been through quite a bit uh, in her life, and she's. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of her backstory here and the persecutions that uh, she's faced um, on the backside of her activism and basically coming out and trying to do the right thing. Dr. Love, it's good to have you with us um, again. Uh, thank you for, for sharing your time with me. I know it's very valuable for you and uh, you know, you're very busy uh, curing people um, from, from, you know, the, the toxicity of those jabs and you're one of the only ones that's doing it. And we'll get into some of that uh, a little bit later, but first of all, let's, Let's talk about this story um, about how you were persecuted um, for your activism uh, for Palestine. Well, well, thank you for having me back and um, giving me the opportunity to, to share my story. I've been so busy focused on um, you know helping people who are in need um, that I haven't really had time to to go into my own story. Um, so. It's time, though, because this is a public interest story. Well, my activism started in 2011 when I discovered the, that, you know, the Israeli state had a hand in 9-11. I don't want to get too much into that, but that's just where it started. That it wasn't Muslims at all who brought down the Twin Towers. In fact, Muslims had nothing to do with it. It was, you know, Saudi CIA assets that were you know, posing as hijackers. So anyway, I mean, you know, um, that's where it began. And I was like, well, if the Israeli state had something to do with this, then I was like, well, who are they? Who's Israel? You know, because in America, growing up in America, we didn't have any information about Palestine. They've erased it from the history books. They don't talk about Palestine. You only hear Israel. So, I mean, you hear the words Jerusalem and Bethlehem in churches, you know, these holy cities, but they present it as if that's Israel, not Palestine. So the Palestinian people have been, you know, being erased from history. So then I was like, well, why are they blaming Muslims? So I started reading the Quran. That's just my curious mind. I'm like, well, if they want us to think that Muslims are the bad guy and then what's in the Quran that they don't want us to find? You know, I was I became curious and I started looking and I realized that the Islam that they paint the picture to us in, in Hollywood and things like that, it's not the Islam that really truly exists. And I learned that when I went and lived in Palestine, um, right at the heart and the core of the birth of the Abrahamic religions. So, in 2011, that was when I first watched the um, Israeli bombardment on the Gaza Strip, um, this bombing campaign. And it was so horrifying. The Palestinian people, because the media doesn't cover and traditionally never did cover their suffering, their story. It's only the Israeli Zionist version of what's going on in the Middle East. And then they started posting um, the Israeli war crimes through Facebook and People were beginning to see it and wake up to what's going on in, in Palestine, what's being done to the Palestinian people. So I became an activist at that point. It just riveted me from my core, and I couldn't believe that, that this type of injustice was going on in our world. 
And I started with citizens journalism. And then um, I went to the Middle East and lived there for about a year and studied, you know, Zionism, the occupation, the Israeli state, the apartheid system, Palestinian culture, the olive oil, everything that is special and sacred about the Holy Land. And that was an amazing experience, life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And I came to really love the Palestinian people. They took care of me like I was their family. They took me into their home and into their arms. Like, And, and they never left me alone. They made sure I had everything. I couldn't even get, get hungry when, when there was more food being brought in front of my in front of me. It was amazing how they cared for me. So they, they got inside my heart. And when I left Palestine, I, I started, well, when I was still in Jordan, I, I was approached by um, the Liberty Beacon, Roger Landry, and invited to come and start journaling and writing for, for, for them. So I wrote my first article based on the testimonies of refugees that I met. And I had gone around in, in Jordan, went to a camp, um, you know, was investigating the refugee crisis and, and learning some things. So that was my first article. And I really like that interaction with the audience where I write something and they're influenced by my knowledge and my research. And I began, began to love it. And then I was trained by the Liberty Beacon in independent media, in journalism, in the rules of, of journalism. And um, eventually, like one year later, I was given a website by the Liberty Beacon called Middle East Rising. And it was all, I was focusing on that area of the world, the Middle East, Palestine. So for five years, I directed that website and was publishing about eight articles per day. <laughs> so I was watching all of the breaking news that's coming out and, and what I thought was relevant. Uh, so, and then I got targeted. So in 2014, I did something pretty bold. I was, began working with the Palestinian media. Um, I probably worked with over 60 Palestinian media professionals. And I love Palestinian press because they're honest. You know, they don't, um, they don't lie. You never catch them lying. They're very, they're good ethical journalists. And, um, I began to see everything that they see. And in 2014, when they, when Israel began bombing, the Israeli state was bombing Gaza again. Um, they were taking out entire families, just taking the whole building out and, you know, the families in Palestine, they they build um, houses, they stack on top. So they have a, a house, the first house. Then when the first son gets married, they'll build a house above it, and so on, the next son. And so the whole family lives in this building. And so they're taking out entire families and, and entire bloodlines. They removed 89 entire bloodlines from the face of the earth. I mean, this is absolute pure terrorism beyond anything. But yet, the mainstream media paints the Palestinian people as the terrorists and and when they are the victims. So it, it just, it just the injustice of it, I couldn't stand it. And so I fought for them. I fought for them. And when I saw what they endured so closely, all 51 days of bombing and war crimes, and I reported on them, it was, I got secondhand trauma from that, but it changed my reality forever. And I was a fighter. I became a fighter and an activist and was fighting for Palestinian rights. I took on, um, I took the bull by the horns, you could say. I took on the Israeli state myself single-handedly. I led campaigns that really damaged them. Um, for example, getting, uh, they were trying to annex 
the West Bank so that they could surround and besiege the West Bank like they've done to Gaza. Then you would have two prison camps, basically. And there was this one village that is strategically like located. It's it's a Bedouin village. Excuse me. And that Bedouin village, um, they were going to forcibly transfer the entire village, several hundred people, and move them to another location. Well, that's genocide. So I started um, collaborating with the Palestinian activists on the ground there and um, led a campaign that got the International Criminal Court. It was it was a Twitter storm campaign. It got the International Criminal Court involved so that they, uh, within two days, they responded and they warned the Israeli state that if they were to take this action, they will be held accountable. And they backed off. And to this day, they still have not been able to annex the West Bank. So, I mean, I've done some significant things that got me targeted. So, not to boast or brag about that, you know, but but that's just to give an example of the types of things that I did. So, we're going to... We're going to talk about some of this targeting here in a second, but give me an example of um, something uh, that happened, you know, while you were, you know, what caused you to, I mean, you gave some, you, you gave some, some stuff about what caused you to fall in love with, with the Palestinians, but give me an example that sticks out in your mind um, the most of, of something that, that is like dear to your heart that people can understand when you talk about, you know, Falling in love with that group of people, or the Palestinians, not that group of people. That sounds horrible. They cared for me like I was their own family. I mean, it was amazing. You don't find that in the West. Their spirit of of you know, they, they taught me love. They taught me the meaning of life. They taught me the meaning of human connection, the value of it through their actions, without words, just every day being there and how they behave towards me. I mean, they brought me food and they fed it me with their own two hands. And this was a, like a ritual, and they wanted me to put it in my mouth. And they wait, they insisted, at least just one bite. When new people would would, would meet me, they, that's how they bring you into their heart and, and close to them. And they do these little things. They have these little ways that they just climb right into your heart and your your, your putty in their hands. They they win you. It's it's incredible. I mean, this is also Arabic culture, but one of the things in particular that struck me about the Palestinian people that I was there in, in, in Palestine for, in a small village in the West Bank, in the foothills, the southern foothills of Jerusalem. And there was this, um, like, okay, well, it was the three and a half months I was there. And I had not heard, we had many discussions about the Israeli occupation, Zionism, and there was never any criticism of the Israeli people or Jewish people or, there just wasn't. And I was, astonished by this and i was thinking wait a minute wouldn't they be angry look at what they're being put through why wouldn't they be you know criticizing their neighbor so i began asking why is that why aren't you why aren't you saying anything against your occupiers and they said oh well that's very simple they said islam and the quran teaches us that jews are our brothers and sisters we don't have a problem with Jews, they said. It's not the Jewish people that are a problem. It's Zionism. It's the Zionists. And I sat back and I was like, whoa. So from 2013, I learned there's a difference between Zionists and Jews. Now, we can get into another discussion about that. 
in, in, a, in a later date, because that's like a whole, you know, two hour segment in itself. But, but <laughs> yeah. there is a seriously or four hour, but there's a there's a difference. They taught me that. And and their spiritual, their faith, their faith to not disobey God, to not disobey that they follow the Quran. They're Sunni Muslims, so they're moderate Muslims. They don't have sex. In, in Palestine, it's all, everyone reverted to Islam at the same time. So there, there's a cohesion. And they follow Islam. They're the closest representatives of the true Islam. So I was touched by the true Islam. And it was it's the most beautiful, loving, loving thing. Um, and they showed me, you don't, you don't, you don't speak ill about anybody. Oh, and for example, another ex- quick example is that if the neighbors have, if they have a fight, if there's a disagreement between people instead of like going behind their closed doors and be like, yeah, like that. No, they go and they pray, they pray for their, for that person that they just had a disagreement with. And this tends to solve, resolve everything, the prayer. So they, they have a different way of dealing with things. This, these things, these little things just move me. I'm like, what, who does that? You know, in America, the neighbor will go close the door and, start cursing you you can even hear it through the wall (laughs) or they'll call the other neighbor and start talking talking mess and get the other neighbor involved and you know what i mean and then it becomes the jerry springer episode (laughs) so so the palestinians they don't they don't gossip they don't um they have every reason to criticize their neighbors but they don't do it they don't do it. They are above. They are superior, in my opinion. They they are an example of of the of, of Islam and the way we are supposed to behave towards each other. So I learned. That's why they just they touched me. They 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 grabbed my heart and and they'll always have it. You know. So I fought for them. I fought so so courageously, and I thought that the Israeli state could never touch me here because I'm in Finland and we have free speech and we have a government that respects human rights <laughs> and yada yada. I come to find out that isn't always the case. So I uh, got targeted um, in 2000 and excuse me, was it 2018? It started in 2017 when um, the Israeli state announced and the U.S. government announced they were going to target um, activists um, and start censoring, right? So I think it was January of 2008, the censorship began, and I lost accounts. A lot, you know, there were like eight, 900 independent media panels, pages that went down, and Facebook complied with 98% of the requests to to censor um, the requests of the U.S. government and Israel. These are the two leading nations that have a vested interest in censoring our freedom of speech and press freedom. So I became targeted at that point, and my, my pages went down. I lost hundreds of thousands of followers. And then I was systematically targeted across social media. So it was other big tech platforms as well it wasn't just facebook they were they were getting me everywhere and it was the israeli state literally campaigning and contacting those big tech companies and demanding that they censor these anti-semites okay they weaponized anti-semitism which is a trick they use 
you know, if, if they don't like your criticism of them, then they call you a Jew hater and they find, they have um, agents that find, um, that stalk you online and they wait for you to slip up or be too emotional. And then they take screenshots that they can twist and take, tell a different story about it. So this is what this, um, this Israeli agent Zionist, um, did that to me. Uh, he's a, he's a war criminal. He's living uh, in, uh, in a Palestinian occupied Palestinian territories against international law. So he's a criminal and he's working for the Israeli state. And he wrote 20 blogs, blogs, whole entire blogs about me with screenshots of things and told a different story and painted me as a racist. Now, when I first saw that, I was like, well, first what happened was, um, the Jerusalem Post published an article about me. It was titled Jewish and anti-Semitic with a question mark. So Jewish and an anti So they were making me seem like I'm a Jew that is anti-Semitic. Like, like to get the Jew, it, they do all these little tricks, but there were other uh, activists they targeted in that article. And they basically tried to paint me as um, some kind of Holocaust denying, um, you know, I mean, I know what else to say. That's, these are the words they keep repeating, repeating. And people are so dumb. Like, literally, people are dumb that they would read those articles and believe it. And so my these blogs were smeared across the Internet. So if anybody typed in my name, they would see the smears and not my work. And they drowned out my work that way. And then I was attacked. It's a cancel culture tactic. And so then it recruited they were recruiting people to attack me and I would go around, you know, meet new people. And then they'd be nice to me, like me. And then all of a sudden they turn and attack me and be vicious. And I was being harmed because their minds were being affected by these stupid blogs. And there's this one video they keep replaying again and again and again and reposting where I was talking about the Khazars. I was talking about the historic Khazars and the Khazarian mafia, which is is called the Jewish Mafia on Oopsie. Wikipedia. I don't like to give them that title. I don't like to call them Jews. They're not Jews. They're freaking imposters. They're liars. They're deceivers. And they're Khazars. And they don't deserve the title of a Jew because they don't act like it. They don't follow the Torah. They're following Talmudic law. They're following Satanism. So I, don't, I won't call them Jews anymore. And I wasn't back then. I was just calling them Khazars. But they took five-minute video clip and lied and said I was talking about Jews when I was actually talking about the Khazarian Mafia. And in the whole context of the video, it's clear if you watch it from the beginning that I'm talking about the Khazarian Mafia. I say so. But they only took a clip and made it look like I was talking about Jews. So these are the tricks that they were doing. And that video worked, that little video clip worked real well for them for a while and they kept reposting it and reposting it. Now it doesn't work anymore. Let me let me interject real quick. And so for people who may think that, okay, whatever, sure, you know, people are just trying to target you, Dr. Love, sure. Well, that is true because we see it playing out like Joe Rogan, for example, right? And all of the attacks that went his way and mainstream media painting certain pictures, CNN changing the, the, the coloration of his skin to make him look sicker versus, you know what I mean? And so all these tricks that they like to play, 
It's a true thing. I mean, censorship is real. I've been censored off of uh, off of um, YouTube for doing nothing but uh, reading. What were the reading uh, studies, right? Uh, Peer reviewed studies out of Canada with uh, another doctor, um, Joel Hirshhorn, who's a medical researcher. And we were talking about real shit, real stuff. You know what I mean? It's peer reviewed. And they censored me off of there. Yeah. That's racist. That's so anti-Semitic. I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a real thing. It does happen. We're experiencing it now at a, at a level that is, is ridiculous, but continue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this was, I'm just getting warmed up. I mean, this is the, was the beginning. Okay. So the blog, so then this guy, um, he does this to hundreds of people. I mean, this guy's a slime ball. His name is David Lang. I don't even know want to, you know, mention his name or give him any, any attention, but he's a, a complete slime ball. I mean, the guy needs to be behind bars or, you know, he's a, he's a war criminal anyway. All right. So he does this to hundreds of people. His, he and his team target children. They call for the rape of kids. They've done so on their Facebook page. Um, this was witnessed by, I don't know, hundreds of people. They um, call for the death, the murder of underage minor children. I mean, Palestinian, but their lives matter. You know, they're kids. That's horrifying. But this is the type of people that they are. And then they target single women. And they, they go be above and beyond. Um, you know, they're working for SAP Israel, by the way. It's a multinational IT company um, headquartered in Germany. And he's admitted, I have it documented on my, my website, that he has it, he has admitted in, in, in comments that he works for them. He started targeting me while he was still working for them. So um, they are liable for what they've been doing for me. I haven't found a lawyer yet that will represent me and go up against them. I don't know why, what's wrong with these lawyers, but we'll see. Maybe somebody will will take it up. I'm, I am, you know, networking. But anyway... So, um, yeah, they owe me a lot in damage. They, they, they caused a great deal of damage to my life. And that's the purpose of it, right? Is they want to silence you. They want to, um, so here's what happened to a couple of the women I campaigned with, um, you know, who I did Twitter storms for. We, we did, we led a record breaking Twitter, Twitter storm in defense of, um, Palestinian political prisoner Ahmed Manasra. He's a 13 year old boy when, I mean, the story, I don't know, should I get into it? Yeah, I mean, give, give some examples of these. What happened to these women um, that okay. you worked with? Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is a big. It's a big part of the story. So, I did document this, um, but Ahmed Manasra and his fifteen-year-old cousin. He was thirteen. His cousin was fifteen. It was um, when the there was uh, the settlers, the illegal Israeli settlers, were were going out, marching out in the streets of Jerusalem and murdering. Palestinians mobbing them and beating them to death. And I don't know, they got in, in there was a mob that, that attacked them, these kids. And they, one of them that what ran, the 15 year old ran around the corner, they separated. Ahmed Manasra got beaten. And there's video footage of this by adult settler men. And then they filmed it and they were saying, die, you son of a whore. And then they put that video up online. It went viral. Um, I got 200,000 views in 24 hours and then YouTube took it down. But anyway, they were, um, the, the, the other boy, the 15 year old, uh, ran and 
he was chased by a police officer who killed him at point blank range in with a kill shot to the head as he was crossing the street hailing for help asking for help the police officer killed him so that was caught on cctv security footage so because they were caught the israeli state was caught in something this was a police officer right they had to make a, a a smear they made up a story a fake story and they they put up crime tape and they pretended that these boys had uh attempted to kill somebody and had then they doctored cctv security footage and put inserted knives into the boys hands that cctv security footage and i was like wait a minute that there's something not right here those boys it doesn't look like they're carrying knives so i had it analyzed and sure enough the knives kept disappearing so that was um doctor they put this the israeli state what happened nothing you're here okay so the israeli state the ministry doctored cctv security footage to frame two underage minor children for an attempt for a crime they never attempted even to do because they were victims to hide the fact that their settlers attacked them and tried to kill them and did kill one of them. Ooh. So, so I exposed that. That was another thing that I did. And then we did a campaign and, and spread the information out. And we reached like 15 million people in a Twitter storm. I did this with other ladies, other activist ladies. And we reached like 15 million people in the first few hours. And then the, 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 the Twitter, um, the Twitter the hashtag, our hashtag, uh, free Ahmed Minasra, it was, it was trending for like three weeks. It didn't stop trending for like three weeks. So I don't know how many millions of people saw it. We lost track. We couldn't count it. And it was after that that they came after us. And two of the women who can't, I campaigned with, one was in Holland, one was in Canada. They both ended up in, they got them into men mental institutes. So the Israeli state went after them, went after their income, went after them online, gang stopped, stopped them, and ended up contacting the authorities and getting them locked up. The one woman spent three months in, an, in a mental institute. The other one, we were, we were able to get her out by proving to the authorities that she had actually campaigned in defense of Palestinian political prisoners and that she was targeted, not crazy. So they let her out. I knew they'd come after me. I knew they would try the same thing with me here in Finland. So I outmaneuvered them. And and I, I ended up um, having to, they got this David Lang, this creep, criminal, recruited Finnish politicians in Finland to target me. The former, and I can, I'll, name, I'll name one of them now because he's no longer in power. Um, it was the former prime minister of Finland, Juha Sipila. So Juha Sipila also sold the Finnish people into genocide. He committed treason against the Finnish people. And he was um, targeting my family hor hor horribly. Like they located where we were and they were systematically cutting me off from all services. And I ended up being... Um, and they were targeting my kids, too. So this Yuha Sipila is a real creep. Nobody likes him in Finland. Everyone knows he's, you know, he 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 made off with 100,000, 100 million euro. 
after he was prime minister. He did some kind of illegal financial things, and everyone knows it. And plus, he was he was um, tried and convicted of genocide in the um, International Tribunal of uh, what was it? Was it Natural Justice? I can remember. It was a tribunal. He was found guilty of genocide. So yeah, real creeper. I'm still targeted by somebody in the government who's very high up. I don't think I should name the name just just yet. Not now. I don't know. It could cause put me into a, a more unsafe situation. Um, more to be revealed. Two, more to be revealed. There's two people in the government targeting me now, and I know them, and I have proof. I have evidence, and I'm, I've got got kill switches, and they are hunting me. They're trying to find me. Um, they're calling a friend of mine. It's a tight-knit circle of people who targeted me. They're all Zionists, zealot Zionists. They were uh, campaigning to move the um, Finnish embassy to Jerusalem, which would be a war crime. They were trying to drag the Finnish government into committing a war crime. The Finnish government didn't go for it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, we're not doing that. And they didn't go for it, but they tried. So it's a small, tight-knit group of Zionist, uh, Zionist Christians. They call themselves Christians, but, but they're, they're Zionists. They're not real Christians. They're criminals. And they have a criminal background, both of them. So do we, so is there those type of individuals in every government placed in, in every government? That's what the Israeli state does. They have their minions and their agents, and they recruit people, a lot of people in the Christian community. In Finland, Christians are mostly Zionists. They're pro-Israel. They think that, that the Zionists are God's chosen people. They're totally whacked in the brain, totally just off their rockers in Finland. And I, I cannot be in the Christian community, unfortunately. I have a few Christian friends, and I love them, but they are really, really fooled by the Israeli state. And this is what the Israeli state does. They recruited Christians to be on their side. They hate Palestinians. They don't think that they should have any human rights. So they're very bigoted, you know, and they truly honestly believe that the Khazarian mafia are God's chosen people. So they're, you know, um, so that's what's going on. And um, I was really badly, badly targeted here. Um, you look like you want to ask a question. Like, go ahead. Well, I, I'm 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 trying to like like piece this together in my own mind, right? And right. you know, when you talk about the Khazarian mafia, the Talmudic um, law, right? Is that what it's referred to versus the Abrahamic type of? Um, I, I'm I'm trying to like wrap my head around this. So, is it is it similar to the different? Like you have uh, Christian, you have Christianity, you have Catholicism, you have, but within the like within that, you have different sects of those religions. So is it kind of the same thing? It's the same. It. I, I'm just I'm just trying to understand because this is such a confusing thing when. Because yeah, we, like you said, we hear one thing about you know Judaism and and all of that, but I mean it. it like anything else. There, everything's been kind of subverted. So, I mean, what's presented mm -hmm. is really not what it is. It's the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. it, oh, I love talking about this. I mean, we need more explanation in this area because people are so confused and psyoped. Um, all right. So the Abrahamic tradition is one religion. Like it or not, 
it's Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are one in the same religion. Islam says this, and Islam protects Christians and Muslims and Jews. They're, the Islam is like a, it's like an umbrella that that protects them, and says we are brothers and sisters. That was another thing that the Palestinians said. That you know they've lived for centuries with Jews. Palestinians are Jews. There's Palestinian Jews that were there for centuries. There's Palestinian Christians. There's Palestinian Muslims. Um, you know, I don't discriminate against any of them. I love them equally. And they're brothers and sisters, and they fully understand that. And you go into the Middle East, you go into Iraq, you go into other places in the Middle East, and that's how it's always been. But in the last 20 years, governments have changed that and divided people up and caused them put put um, very uh, extremist sects into power. Sorry, the sun just came. They put extremist sects into power, you know, so that they could control and divide people. And this is governments are doing this because it's, it's you know, they divide and conquer. They want to um, weaken us. So the Abrahamic faith, okay, it's all one people. It's a bloodline. This is the point. What is the bloodline about? The bloodline, it links all the way to Adam and Eve. It links to our ancestors. They are our common ancestors. So Jews... Muslims and Christians, it's a bloodline, it's from a bloodline, right? And God is protecting his bloodline. So this is why the Abrahamic faith is so powerful. Now, they've, the, the, the Khazars, they have perverted our minds. They have confused people, and especially Western Christians. You go to the Middle East. Eastern Orthodox Christians understand we're brothers and sisters. They're not mind whacked. But you come to the West, and the Western Christians are mind whacked. They think that Muslims are terrorists. They think that Islam is a, is a false religion. It's a religion of Satan. I mean, they're totally like this. Yet they're worshiping the Khazars, yeah, the ones who are the synagogue of Satan, and they don't realize it because they don't understand the difference between true Torah Jews. And Khazarians, the liars, the deceivers, the ones who Jesus said are a synagogue of Satan. So we'll get into that more yeah. ne um, next time. I would really like to go deep into that. I just have been, you know, waiting, waiting for the opportunity to like share this yeah. knowledge because it's like 11 years of research, you know. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, you know, somebody who's who's from, you know, the United States and grew, you know, was born and raised here, uh, grew up as a Catholic, um, you know, luckily I, I didn't, you know, experience any of the bad part of Catholicism that, you know, some people can say that they have experienced. But, I mean, I don't know, man. I've always felt like religion, organized religion was just a way to to control the people when nobody else is looking, right? Because you put the fear of God into somebody, right? Oh, if I do something wrong, you know what I mean? The God's going to get me. Um, and so that, that's kind of what my interpretation of what religion is. You know, I think religion and spirituality are two different things. So it's, it, it is really confusing when you're on this side of it and you're trying to understand what's going on in other parts of the world. And it just doesn't make sense where it's like, okay, there's a story. Right. Yeah. There's the Bible and there's a story and, and it was made by man and man corrupts stuff, anything that it, it touches. So yeah, it's really fascinating to try to, to understand all of this. Right. And why people are willing to die for, for a story. Right. 
in a in a yeah. in all of that. So yeah, I definitely more to be revealed with that. We will talk about that and uh in the future and uh, a lot of people agree with you. A lot of people think that same way. A lot of people feel that same way. I've heard that so many times. But I have a little bit different um perspective on it. Like instead of religion was created to created to control and divide and conquer, it's more like religion sprang up organically from the birth of a prophet, from the birth of a chosen messenger. And from that came the manifestation of a religion. So the elites or the Khazars, Mm -hmm. because they're the ones, you know, in power, um, they, they cannot control religion. That's the problem. When the Bible was translated from Aramaic into Greek, into, into English, into different languages, then people were able to see the truth for themselves. They didn't need anybody in between. They didn't need a priest. They didn't need a government. They could connect directly with God and the source of the power that created us. And then that was when the people found their power. And the state had a problem and couldn't control the people anymore. So then they had to give us free free uh, freedoms and give us the illusion of freedoms. Right. And and make these laws where we have human rights and so on. But they're still in control. And now look what they've done. They just pulled them right out from under us. So it was all just sort of a game and an illusion anyway to keep us think because they had to shift the way they play the game because the truth came out. Truth is what sets us free. I'd be lost without scripture. All of it. I needed to know the Bible. I needed to know the Quran. I need to know the Quran. So it's a complete picture. It's, there are three books that came to us and from the, to keep the Abrahamic tradition alive. So it would not be lost forever because there is an attack against these religions. The Khazars and the Zionists hate Islam. They hate Christians. They hate Jews. They, they also persecute the true Torah Jews, the authentic Jews that have the bloodline connection to Abraham and therefore ancestors Adam and Eve, they are two and a half percent of world, what's considered world Judaism today. So their voice is marginalized, but they are historically the representatives of authentic world Judaism. So the 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 thing where the the Khazars, this is why we need to talk about this. We we'll need to get into a, a whole episode on it because, so people can understand the whole big picture, how it all came to this. How is it they took this control of our minds and separated us when we are one family? We are one bloodline. We, we have the same ancestors. So it's it's. I gotta close these curtains because yeah, it's yeah. so bright. Give me one second. Yeah, I've, I've always found that that it just it, it, anytime somebody's trying to to direct you so so hard in one direction, you got to question that. Um, yeah. But yeah, we will definitely get more into that in a in an upcoming episode or, an, or part three. You know, maybe part four. Uh, you know, I've yeah. I've. It's fascinating talking to you about some of this stuff because I, I like I don't know I don't know you know what I mean I don't know this stuff I'm I'm from the United States like I said we have a different view and and what we're being told over here which kind of subverts a lot of our thoughts and our our things but I mean what I've what I've witnessed from all the people that I've talked to 
being a podcaster, right? And I've talked to people from all over the world, you know, the Democratic Republic of Congo, the, you know, a lot of other places. And everybody seems to have the same human needs, right? We all want to be healthy. We all want our families to prosper. We all want to be safe. We all want to not experience food insecurity. We all just want the best for the people around us and the folks that we love, right? That's what most humans want. But there's always that, that the few that rule above everybody else that subvert everything and, and make mm-hmm. life miserable for everybody else around. Mm-hmm. You know, and target us. Yeah. Target us. The true bloodlines, the true, um, and target our DNA. They want us to destroy it. Yeah. We, and then we, and then, we, then we, we can go into then we can go into you know the the loss of you know through some of the the medical interventions that we've experienced of the last two years that that God molecule has been eliminated from a lot of people you know and and I think folks have come out and and I've heard you talking about where you know they feel disconnected uh from everything ever since you know they've had that intervention. And that's, you know, we can get into that too sometime down the road as well, but continue with, with the targeting and what you want to uh, share about continue or finish sharing about that. My story. Yeah. I need to, I need to let people know this. It is in the public interest because I'm one of the first people that were taught was targeted in this way. Um, the only other person, the only other journalist that I, who I know that it was targeted before me in such a, uh, hands-on way was um, Mike Adams. They took down his websites in 2014. You know, he he runs Natural News, the Health Ranger. So he was a big threat to Big Pharma and the establishment and the state of Israel. Obviously, um, they didn't want him speaking too much truth um, because you know he was giving too much valuable information that was making people healthy. You know, they wouldn't need the pharmaceutical drugs if they can just treat themselves with the natural solutions. So, and he's a journalist. He's quite the activist himself. He's a really, he's one of the best journalists in the world, in my opinion. He's one of my favorite, all-time favorite. Now, is he the one and, that does uh, Brighteon? Yeah, Brighteon. Yeah, he has Brighteon. Yeah, so, he does He does some, He does some good work. If you guys want to venture yeah. over there, check him out. Uh, Mike Adams over on Brighteon. Um, actually he did one with Dr. Artis, which I thought was better than the Stu Peters one. Um, Stu Peters was good. Mm-hmm. I just, I, for me, it was easier for me to watch the, the Brighteon one. Cause it was like straight to the point. There wasn't any, you know, uh, stuff other than just talking. So, but they're both, but they're both very good, uh, interviews with Dr. Artis. And here's the difference between them being in media. I understand what they were doing. Um, Stu Peters breaks news. Um, you know, Mike Adams breaks news too, but Stu Peters has been break. He breaks stories and he does short segments. So he gets the news out to more, you know, to uh, more people faster and then it snowballs from there. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Artist, you know, right, did the short segment, watch the water, introducing it to people's minds, this concept that they've been poisoned in venomation. And then he went on to Mike Adams' um, platform and did a more intense, you know, document like like a series of of interviews where he gave 
presentation and gave more evidence. So, you that know, it's, it's a process of disseminating the information. And it's always good to go to different platforms, you know, to get it out because people have different audiences as well. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Watch the Water, it really, it served its purpose. Yeah. You know, it, it which was, was breaking the news. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not ever easy. That's the hardest thing is breaking news when it's the first time people hear about it. And there's going to be so much cognitive dissonance and they don't want to, you know, it's too it's scary. It's very scary and shocking. And so that's never easy. And people are going to attack. Yeah. Well, that makes and more sense to me as you're breaking it down right now. Why now, now, okay. I, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Being in media, I understand how, how the things go. And the director was young. He's young, mm -hmm. so he's kind of a new director, but he's talented. I mean, he was fine. He yeah, they're, 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 they're all good. Yeah, I mean, it, everything that yeah. I've watched on on that particular um, subject, you know, watch the water and, and you know, the, the content of that. I mean, it, it's all been good. You know, it, and it does yeah. it, it and it does take you by surprise because you it, it's I mean, a lot of the stuff that's come out has been like so remarkable that it tends to be unbelievable when you first listen to it. You're like, what? No way. And and that's how I felt about it when I, as I was watching that. And, you know, we're not going to get into the content of that. That's a whole nother episode that could take about four hours. Uh, you know, dissecting, watch the water and, and everything that came out of that. But man, it does, it does hit you as unbelievable when you first see it until it sort of sets in and you start watching other stuff. And, you know, then I said, okay. And there's still some questions that I have. I mean, I'm not, I'm not fully bought into it, but there's parts of it that I'm like, okay, all right, now that part makes sense. And then it, it's, it really sucks that you have to these days watch so many different things to find the truth and it, and it's not and you don't get the full truth you get kernels of a piece of a truth and you got to put that piece over here and then you got to watch something else and you start fitting the pieces of the puzzle together through all the different things that you watch most people are not capable of doing that or do they have the time to do that so i mean it's it's it, it definitely makes sense why we are where we are today when it comes to media and people on two different camps you know what I mean? Of, of, of information. Gosh, that's really a good point. We need to consolidate as independent media and work together more. And um, I have some ideas for that. I mean, it's, it's necessary. We really do because things are, the information is spread out on different platforms. That's really insightful what you said. And, um, but it's always like that. Anytime you break news, that's so shocking. There's blowback and people attack. Mm -hmm. They will attack you. Even if they love you, they're going to attack you because you know, it's too hard to hear. It's too hard to process. And so they're going to find any little thing to pick on you. Oh, it wasn't a good production. Oh, the lighting suck. Oh, this or oh, mm -hmm. that. But it served the purpose, message delivered. And so Stu Peters is doing the hard part. He's doing the hardest part, which is breaking the news, breaking through that barrier, that wall where people don't want to want to go there. They don't want to hear. And that was a gateway that that information about the snake venom was a gateway to unleash people's minds and open their minds to the fact that they've been poisoned. It's not the entire weapon system. We're dealing with it with a complex weapons system. But if they can understand the one little part that there's snake venom in these vaccines, 
there's snake venom in the water. They're poisoning us. They're poisoning you. Then it's, it's the gateway to open the mind to all the rest of it. So that segment had to be short and sweet and elusive and just to get the first message across, you know, that's not easy to do. I can tell you that. And, and I've, I've been there in that position, yeah. breaking news, you know, and then being attacked for it when, you know, because the truth is, 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 I mean, people are so conditioned to believe the lies and the truth is, is almost harder to believe, you know? Oh yeah. But, <laughs> for um, sure. Yeah. So no, what I'm going to do though, for, for people who are listening to this and you're wondering like, what the hell are we even talking about? Um, you know, because a lot of these folks probably haven't even seen Watch the Water or even know what it is. And so what I'm going to do is I'll drop Stu Peter's, uh, version of it. I'll drop the uh, Mike Adams version of it. And then I'll also drop the, uh, couple of times that you were on Stu Peter's as well. Uh, so people can get an idea of, you know, what's going to come down the road with you and I. Okay. Cause I did a set. You can also put my segment that I did. I did an interview with Stu Peters, um, following, uh, Dr. Brian artists, watch the water, you know, revelation and, um, confirming that actually snake venom is patented and it's in the COVID patents, the COVID-19 vaccine shots. So, um, that would be a good, you know, two part. Yeah. And then, and then we'll link all of those, the patents too. So you can see for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, the stuff that, that, that Dr. Love is talking about. I mean, she has receipts for most of it and all of that, anything that we talk about will be linked in the episode, in the Mm -hmm. description. So you can go, I mean, like I said, some of this stuff is, is, you know, first hearing it myself, I was like, what? Okay. But as, as somebody who understands the patents and understands how to read them, because I don't, you know, and, and it just, it starts to make a lot of sense. So if you can go and, and look at it yourself and you understand how with the patents, you know, out there listening, feel free to knock yourself out. And if you got any kind of, uh, you know, problems with it, feel free to email me. I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Maybe not on the show, but I'll talk to you about it in an email <laughs> and direct you to the, to the different links. So yeah, I just, that's, that's a whole nother can of worms right there, but that's something it's good, to come. It's good to talk about it. Yeah. It's, it needs to be circulated. If people haven't seen watch the water, you need to watch it and buy a distiller because that, that filters out um, everything. You know, it's the cleanest water. You need a distiller in your house. You can't be drinking tap water under any circumstances. Yes. I do believe they are poisoning us through the water. This is depopulation. It's agenda 21. It's in full swing. And, you know, the, 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 these injections are just part of it. So, you know, but they're, they're going to get this mRNA nanotechnology into us any way, shape or form possible because it is, um, genetically altering humans for patent eligibility so that the patent holders, the people who own the technology can own you. That's the purpose of this. So they want us, but there are ways to protect our bodies. There are ways to, um, and I'm helping people get that information, how you can protect yourself and, you know, uh, stay healthy and, and not be affected. Um, so I do, I, you know, I study this. I've been on the front line since the, the last two years, you know, looking at all information that breaks. So I'm well informed and I'm also, you know, naturopathic doctor. So I'm, I'm looking at it from that perspective as well. 
Oh, as far as as far as naturopathy, I I got something here. And this blew my mind, too, when I found this out, is that what we used to think of as a common weed, which is dandelion, right, that grows in grass, and we just think, oh, it's a weed. We spray it with Roundup, right? And we were taught that, that it's not good, it's, it's worthless, it's just, you know, and that's not true. That no, dandelion root extract has a lot of different functions to it and a lot of it's it's health healthy for us good for us it's very healthy last last um, there's two two parts of the season that you can harvest it in the spring and in the fall and that's when it's the, the tastiest the spring is the best and the flowers too. I know people who make wine out of it, out of the dandelion flowers here in Finland. I have to say that that's kind of tasty. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's really delicious. It's it's like a um, homeopath, not homeopathic. It's but it's medicine. I mean, it's just amazing. The dandelion. Okay, the roots um, have shikimic acid in it, and it does work sort of anecdotally against these poisons. It helps to detoxify graphene oxide nanoparticles. I've experienced this. So, you know, that's, that's anyone can get that from your garden. And and that information came from Mike Adams. You know, he, he let us know about that. So, you know, he, he is, um, he's really, uh, what do you say? Um, benefited humanity a lot. I really have so much appreciation for, for him. Um, but it's little things like that, that are pieces to the puzzle, right? It's, oh, they're, they're lying about this. Okay. Put that over there in the in the file, right? And as, as you go through and and you live your life, you know, from the time you know as you're growing up, you see little pieces of these things all over the place, like that just don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And if something's so helpful, why 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 are people demonizing it? You know, and oh. that's what that's where I don't understand. And that's where it makes me think that there's a different agenda because there's so many different things that are good for us. Take marijuana, for example, right? That mm-hmm. plant has more uses as a commodity than any of the other commodities that we have put together. Why, why, mm-hmm. why, is, why was it, why was it Medicine. hidden from us? You know? And so there's so many of these things that you end up finding out as you're going through your life and, and, and journey that mm-hmm. unless you're blind, or unless you're just tuned out, how can you not notice that? Yeah, CBD oil is one of the biggest um, healers, uh, anti-cancer. I mean, you can you can cure up to ninety-five percent of people, depending on what study you know. But up to ninety-five percent just using CBD oil, you can get rid of cancers. I mean, that you know that the natural medicines they are superior, and when you know how to apply them, I mean. Yeah, and and dandelion too, and they they make you think you have to. It's an awful weed, and you have to get it out of your garden because they don't want you to understand how powerful that medicine is. Because mm. you you won't need pharma, you won't need to go to the hospital. You can treat yourself at home. The trees, for example, pine needle tea, pine trees, they are a remedy for so many things. It's a natural antibiotic. You don't need to go to the doctor if you've got a forest. You can just go harvest. You've got a you've got an herb garden in your forest, and and I j- just sort of discovering that like last year, and pine needle tea also is the highest amount of shikimic acid, so it does work against um, the you know it detoxifies these nan- nanoparticles. Mm-hmm. It's better if you if you pick it fresh from the tree 
than if you use it dried. Dried is still good, though. Um, pine oil, excellent, still has that nutrient, compact nutrient. So um, there's so many. I, I did a podcast. It's called um, Pine Needle Tea Remedies with Dr. Ariana Love. So you can look that up and get more information about pine and pine oil and pine needle tea. It's an incredible, incredible detoxifier and super nutrient. The super nutrients have, they are treatments for diseases. It's anti-cancerous. If you have cancer, you must use pine needle tea or pine oil. It could be in everybody's medicine cabinet, like dandelion. And I went out and harvested it last year in the fall, and I still have dried dandelion that I used all through the winter. And I forget to use it sometimes, but it's a good reminder. So I want to let people know, segueing back to my story here. I yeah, want to sorry, let people sorry know for that I'm diverting. No, no, sorry. I know these are the things I love to talk about. I really love it. Um, and it's your show, so you can do that. <laughs> Well, I'm just a student, man. I'm a, I'm a student that I want to learn. You know what I mean? I want to learn about these things that I don't know about and I want to understand them um, to the point where it's like, I don't want to be talking about something if, if it's a, if I don't understand it and B, if it's not true. Right. And so I think the trying to find the truth in anything in a world full of, of, of mirrors, right. Cause that's really what we're in. We're in a, we're in a world that's full mm -hmm. of mirrors and projections and, and, you know, dysfunctionality and, you know, creating more of that. And I just don't, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy that, that, that people are really like this. You know, I want to believe that, that people are inherently good yeah. and that there are bad apples in every bunch. Right. And that the majority of the folks are good people. And there's that small percentage um, that are not. <laughs> well, we can get more into that later yeah. because, um, you know, I would like to reveal who are the the culprits, who is the synagogue of Satan, who are these imposters, you know, who are um, have infiltrated every aspect of society, every, you know, and and launched this this democide against humanity. We need to know who is the enemy. But um, I just want people to know that I'm in political asylum I in, in Finland. <clears throat> I had to apply for asylum um, for, for international protection um, because I was so badly targeted and they had just destroyed my life. I lost everything. I And they had come after my, my children too. And... Um, were putting, trying to put them into debt right when they turned 18 with little tricks, things that weren't, you know, like um, slamming them with, with bills and things that, that were illegal. It's hard to explain, but, I mean, we were targeted. And it was definitely people in the government doing it. So um, I applied for political asylum in Finland in, um, when was it, 2000. 19 and um gosh I'm, I'm, I'm like where do i go from here i mean that's <laughs> it's unusual uh situation because i am the first person that the finnish authorities had ever heard of in history 
who applied for asylum in the country where I'm targeted. So Yeah, that sounds odd. I, mm-hmm, but I did that because I have two sons here. I have family here, and I refuse to leave them. They needed me, and I'm a mother, and I would not under any circumstances leave them if they still need me. So I'm a fighter, you know, and I decided to stay. I decided to stay even at the risk of my life. Uh, because the, the, the people who are targeting me and hunting me now, and they are calling my friend and trying to find out where I am, demanding that he tell him them where I am. I have evidence of this. Um, these are two people in the government now. The people who work for them have been calling to my friend. And um, where was I going with this? Um, the targeting your 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 children and and being in a in a in a place yet so i feel all of a sudden very raw like like um, we don't have to talk about it we definitely i mean if it's if it's too much for you if you don't feel like you're ready to divulge that information yet or or bring it out uh don't yeah you know what i mean and and that's just plain and simple more to come more more will be revealed more to come. I want to tell what they did to us. I want to tell how they tortured me and persecuted my family, my entire family. And, and, and I would like to reveal who they are um, eventually. But they're in the government, and I have to wait a little bit before I can do that. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, I do have kill switches, yeah. if you will. So, and these people have criminal backgrounds. It's dang, they are dangerous. I don't know how they got into the government, you know. And and I'll get into that. It's it's the story. It's ju- juicy, and there's more to this story as well. I was also cancel cultured and defamed online after defending Julian Assange by gatekeepers inside the campaign community who are leading and influencing. Um, anonymous posing as anonymous but they're black ops and pretending to be wikileaks when they've never been officially um acknowledged as part of wikileaks but they do favors for them you know it's it's weird stuff but this is why julian assange is locked up i would at some point like to get into that more as well and focus more on his case because it's so sad and i saw things up close and personal um why he is not free and it's because there's bad people surrounding him that um, prevented him from being free. He could have been freed so easily. But, but that's another story for another day. I just want to throw it out there a little bit as a little teaser. Yeah, well, another <laughs> name, another name that you uh, that you can associate to with the same type of um, the same type of silencing and and manipulation is a gentleman by the name of Stephen Donzinger. Um, and just look that name up and see what his situation in his, uh, his, his thing was and crazy, man. Crazy. Another one, Snowden, Snowden's another one, you know, you know, people that are, are revealing truth or speaking truth to power a lot of times suffer greatly before it. This is true. I, I was never meant to, um, to get back up on my feet. I was, they, they had destroyed me, um, so completely I was finished. No, you're not supposed to come back from what they did to me, but by the, by grace, you know, I did. And, um, 
I think also, I mean, it's my hard work. I had, you know, continued to, I went into political asylum, partly so I could, you know, stay and still be near my children, but also so that I could get international protection so I could continue to do my work and to continue in this fight for humanity and um, free speech and press freedom. Um, because that's what they came after. That's what they came after. They, they didn't just come after me. They came after thousands of people worldwide, thousands of um, leaders um, in the truth community, spreading truth and, and you know, in independent media. My case is just one. And that's but that's but I want to make it public because it is a public interest story. It's it's the fact that, you know, this happened to a lot of us and it it, it needs to be told. Um, this would wreck and destroy the average person. If I didn't have journalistic skills, I would never have climbed my way out of it. Um, it was meant to destroy me forever. And um but I managed to make it through and um, also, I have to give credit to Stu Peters and his his production group for um, for believing in me and you know and, and um, appreciating my work and giving me a platform to get my voice out to the world. It was so beautiful that they did that. I just have overwhelming appreciation towards Stu Peters and his his team for doing that for me. And uh, I've proven myself, you know, I've showed that I really am, you know, um, because my, my basically my credibility was sort of lost on these by these smears. You know, it was uh, people thought that I was um, like a joke and uh, a Jew hater, <laughs> things that I never was. You know, that's never been who I am. These were lies. And, and I was painted as a racist when I'm the complete opposite. You know, the um, the Palestinian authorities gave me goodwill ambassadorship to Palestine in 2000 and was it 16 or 17? They gave me a certificate. I mean, it was official from the authorities um, because Palestine is not a registered state. I don't even bother to try to register it at the UN. I don't know if I ever could. That's not the point. You know, it's it, they honored me with that title for all of the for all of the activism work and journalism that I did and giving them a voice, you know, and, um, spreading the truth and defending their rights. So that was such a high honor. Um, you know, I had already, uh, I had already, I was known internationally in the human rights community and, you know, by international bodies, by government officials, by media. I was already known when I was cancer culture and then I became a nothing. And I was smeared and painted as a as a racist, and it's just such an odd thing to go through, and to be hated when you are not that at all. And the one thing that really astonished me was the fact that people participated in it, and they didn't think for a second that it was a bunch of men, males, attacking a single female on social media. And, and this was okay; they just sort of all went along with it, and not nobody stepped in and said, "Hey, you know, man." What is this? A bunch of men attacking a single female. Where are the men? Well, all of these men were homosexuals, first of all. They, you know, they are, they are, um, not that I have anything against homosexuals, but the point is, is that they have a motive. They're misogynists. They don't like women. So they could harm me 
instead of feeling like a man would feel to protect a woman. So I don't know, they're sick people, you know, sociopaths or whatever, to, to even do this in the first place. But they were so confident in their abilities to put me down at the bottom and keep me down there. And when I was, after I was canceled, which is another story for another day, you know, but after I was canceled, um, they attacked me. They continued attacking me for a whole year to try to, you know, I just, um, they got my, uh, my, uh, Twitter accounts, um, terminated, suspended. And then I just made a new one and then they tried to smear me again and keep me always out. But I just kept going, just kept going. I never stopped, never stopped. I just knew I had to keep going. I knew I needed and that I was going to be needed in the future. So I just kept going, kept writing my articles. And it was very, very excruciatingly painful and humiliating to be in the face of the, the world and, and international, you know, internationally known and to be defamed, to be um, seen as in a, in a hateful, disdainful way when all I have done is served other people, you know, selflessly, without pay, serving the biggest, greatest underdogs in our, in our world community, Palestinians. How can you defend Palestinians and be a racist? It's incredible what they can twist and turn and influence people's minds. And and people are, I'm sorry to say, but very easily fooled. Whatever they see online, they think it's true. You read something online just from a blog, it must be true. You have to have discernment, you know? Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. Uh, everything seems to be subverted or, you know, you have to literally be an investigative journalist now to, to, to find the truth on anything that you see, even from, you know, legacy media to even some of the alternative media sources, you know, it's really hard to, to disseminate what's fact and, and what's not, you know, or what's a, a version of the facts. And, you know, it's just, I just don't. I don't understand how we got, how we got here. And some people say it's because, you know, at least in the United States, Obama, you know, did the fairness act and all this other stuff, you know, where he changed the, uh, changed how reporting is where you don't have to give both sides of the, of the story. You can just basically, we went from information to infotainment, infotainment, basically, you know, where you can just say whatever you want. And, and, you know, you don't have to give the other side of it. Yeah, that's part of it. Obama did part of it. But um, I, I know how they did it. I was wa- I was there watching it. Um, and, I, and I don't mean to say that if people can't discern the truth from the lies that they're dumb. I mean, if you know you can't discern the truth from the lies and you're honest and you're humble, you're not dumb. You're real. And that's 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 respectable. But that's where... You know, people like me come in because I have that experience, you know, 11 years on the front lines of independent media. I know how to process and assess information very, very quickly. What's true, what's false, what's credible, what's not. So, um, um, okay, this is how they did it. So in 2017, they organized, they had government officials joining um, Facebook, creating accounts, and they started... It was a psyop, and I really think it came in full swing in 2018. But they started to, um, they had a bunch of agents 
guiding and steering the narrative. So you'd have a thread of people chatting back and forth in, in, a, in a, you know, posting comments under, under a post, right? And there's, you know, they're communicating with each other. And then you'd have the agents come in and they'd be aggressive and they'd be divisive and they'd um, put Muslims down. That was a big thing. They really attacked Muslims and Islam. And then they defended the Israeli state and they would attack. So they brought in slowly, step by step by step, a cancel culture. They introduced it through pretending to be real people posting and interacting with the community on that level. This is how they did it. And they socially engineered us to be more aggressive towards each other, to be more divisive, to be against Muslims and to speak out. Um, you know, Trump was very influential about that too when he was speaking against Muslims and talking about, you know, getting them out of the country and weird stuff like that. I mean, that was very, very, very divisive, very racist. And he stopped doing that, but he did it in the beginning of his campaigning. And it got him popularity. I mean, people loved it. They ate it up. And it, it's it's like he said what they wouldn't dare say. Mm -hmm. And then once he said it, then everyone else could say it too. You see, that's how you socially engineer people. And this is what they did on Facebook. And so then people became very aggressive and hateful and they started, you know, you know, it changed, it changed the, the, the culture. And we have documentation and evidence on that, that the Israeli state and the U.S. government colluded and, and the U.K. government, too, to change people's mentality and behavior towards one another and to be less empathic and more cold. So this is this is what they did, and then they did it in a very short amount of time. But then there are those of us who will forever maintain our humanity, no matter what, you know? Well, I mean, people are people. I mean, I, it's you either value life or you don't. You know what I mean? It, all life. doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a mouse. doesn't matter if it's a, a deer. Uh, you know, if you value life, you value life. And it seems like in, in third world countries, life isn't valued the way that we value it in the States or like more. I don't, I don't even know if you want to call it more civilized cultures. I just don't. I just think in some areas, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how little life is valued in places outside of, of the United States. That's a better way to put it. And Europe. Absolutely. Europe's are very, they just disdain. They look at other cultures in disdain. I mean, when I was going to um, Palestine, you know, they were saying nasty things. Like they thought they couldn't understand why would I go there. They didn't understand the spiritual aspect of it, that it's, you know, it's a pilgrimage. It's an honorable, it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual journey. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's between you and God. No one comes between you and that. You, you don't have to justify, I don't have to justify myself to anybody why I needed to go there. I was called to mm. go there. That's it. That's all I have to say. People have been making pilgrimages to Palestine for thousands of years from Europe too. So it's, it's this, this society in the West has become devoid of meaning, ethics, human connectivity, value in human relationships in the family unit they've been destroying they've been systematically destroying us in the west 
And when they introduced the iPhones, the cell phones, the iPads, and things like this, then everybody was on their devices because they're so much fun, mm. you know, and suddenly you have information at your fingertips and you can, you can use that for all, any number of things, um, useful or waste time, whatever. And families were no longer eating dinner together, sitting at the dinner mm. table. They were all on their computer, eating their meal on their computer, eating their meal in their rooms or busy with something. I'm busy now. I can't come and sit down for dinner. The vision like that. This is this is what these devices have done is is condition our minds and separate us. And now we've got the quack scene that is, you know, some people take it and they're like, um, you know, in 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 Kobe land, they believe in they've bought the narrative and they think that that's that quack scene is protecting them from something. And it's really not. And then they're fighting between family members where one person believes in the quack scene. The other one knows it's a bioweapon and this concern for their family member's life and then fighting and and it's all conquer and divide and they've groomed us with the devices getting us used to having devices inside the body mm -hmm. when we get attached to the device that we can hold in our hand i mean i don't know if people ever take a crap anymore without holding their cell phone right? i try i try really hard to 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 not but <laughs> i i fall victim to it you know uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm human, you know, I'm fallible, you know, I have, you know, I, I have, I have addictions, <laughs> not, not sort of the ones that used to get me in trouble anymore, but you know, these, these devices are addictive. Um, you know, we, we, you're, you're absolutely right when you say that. And especially with, with the, the division of, you know, the, the shot, whether you've, you, you buy into the, the COVID extreme extremists, right? That's what I call them. You know, anybody who's on that, that level of, and I have a family member that is, you know, their whole side of that, you know, they don't want anybody around them unless they've been vaccinated. I can't go around. And so my, my family has been split apart. Uh, due to this, and you know, I call them COVID extremists. You guys are extremists. You're, you're, you've taken this yeah. to all the way to the other side of the spectrum where, you know, you don't want to listen to any kind of other discernment. You don't want to, I even, I even suggested, I said, Hey, look, why don't we do this? You bring your, your facts to the table and show me and I'll sit down and I'll listen and I'll watch and I, and I won't say a word, but you got to do the same thing. You have to look at what I'm looking at and not say a word. And then we'll come and we'll, we'll talk about it. I mean, that's what normally that that's what normal people would do, right? You, 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 you take your information. I'll take my information. We'll put it together and we'll see where the problem is. Like, where are we missing something here? They don't want to do it. They don't want to have nothing to do with being proven other than what they believe. And it's so disheartening. They've lost their ability to, to reason and, and rational um, thought. You know, they, they don't have rational thought anymore because of fear. You know, when you terrify somebody like that, it's, um, and they're putting people into Stockholm syndrome with the government, you know, um, the lockdowns and then the giving back freedom and then locking down and then giving back freedom. And then it's, it, it creates a, you know, a, a Stockholm syndrome and, and um, I, I think I like that they are. It is extreme. It is extremism, and it's also I, also the term COVID cult, right? Mm -hmm. I, that just popped to my mind. Yeah, that it's a COVID cult. 
absolutely. It's cult-like. Absolutely. You're not allowed to question that narrative. You're not allowed to discuss at all, right? Mm -hmm. Or have a conversation or a discussion about, about things. Because it's fear. Their mind is locked. It's, you know, they, they just, they've, they've studied. These, um, these eugenicists have studied human psychology and mind control for decades, you know, since ever since oh, yeah. World War II, they perfected it, mm -hmm. right? They were studying it before that during the Christian Crusades. They were torturing people and studying it and seeing how much a person could endure. But, you know, they just keep getting better and better and better. And finally now, you know, after Project Paperclip and, you know, the U.S. government continued the Nazi research on mind control. And that is all in the hands of the Khazars. I've the always said owning and controlling America. The America. Yeah, well, I've, I've always said that, you know, from from the outside appearance of it, when you look at it, right, when you take that 50,000 foot view, we lost that war. Even though we on the appearance of it, we won, but yeah. we lost it because we took all of them and brought them over here. So the Nazis really actually won the war because they they were able to infiltrate the West. They won. They never went anywhere. I mean, have you ever noticed how um, the, what is it, the prime minister of, of Germany, um, Angela Merkel, is she, mm -hmm. right? The, the prime minister or president, anyway, um, she, uh, she, she looks very much like Hitler. I mean, there's a photograph of Hitler with his daughter. You know, and she, she looks just like Angela Merkel. You know, I mean, mm. these are bloodlines. They, they are. You can't escape that light. There's nowhere for else for me to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I see that. You got, you got your can, you got your camera uh, uh, shadow on you. I'm like, keep moving back and moving back, but okay, whatever. It's just you just got to rock it, man. Roll with it. Okay, so. The Nazis, they absolutely still exist. They are still in power. And in fact, Hitler signed a contract with the Rothschilds agreeing to round up the Jews of Germany and Europe and put them into camps so that they could be shipped off and instructed not to harm them. I mean, the history, what we were told is not, I don't doesn't deny that there was a Holocaust. There was absolutely a Holocaust. But the way that it was taught to us, it was taught by the victors of that war, and they were the Khazars. They were the Khazars. The Rothschilds are the royal Khazars, mm -hmm. and they own Israel. They founded Israel. They um, they own 80% of Israel, the Israeli state. So it's the Khazars. They did all of this. They orchestrated the whole thing. You know, they, they made off with Palestine. That's what they wanted. That's what World War II was all about. That's what the rounding up the, the camps were all about, was to get the Jews displaced so that they could be in the camps and then offer them a solution. Go to Palestine. We'll give you houses. We'll give you land. We'll give you a fresh start. And, you know, and what they ended up doing was rounding up the Palestinians, putting them into camps, into concentration camps. This was classified and only recent in recent years declassified. For seven years, they had Millions of Palestinians in concentration camps in Palestine starved them out, denied them medical attention, and killed them. And, um, you know, denied them water and everything. And 
Then they took Palestinian homes and they gave it to Jewish families. They would just pick the Palestinian family out cold on the street, you know, with soldiers banging down their doors. And then they'd give the house to a Jewish family that came over from Europe. And most of the, of the European Jews, they went along with it. They did it. They did it. After it was just done to them, they went and did it to somebody else. But some of them resisted. And for example, um, what is her name? Uh, Nirut Pili, Miko Pili, the, they are, um, the brother and sister of a famous general, Israeli general, who is one of the founding father, fathers of the Israeli, uh, Declaration of Independence, the Israeli, whatever, you know, and it's ridiculous, the Declaration of Independence. Nobody was, nobody was against them. They went and occupied, you know, they, they do these mind trick tricks with language and stuff. Anyway, they refused. This family refused to take a, a, a home from a Palestinian family that had been there for generations. They refused. And they're a good Jewish family. So I like to tell these stories so that we don't forget that there are, you know, in, in the big picture, maybe most of the European Jews went along with it and allowed themselves to stoop to that level where they would mm. take from another person and, and believe that they deserve it. You know, it's some psycho stuff, but the majority did it. They did it because look, look at Palestine today. Look at there's, there's an entire state built on top of another civilization mm. through genocide. How do you justify that? By being a chosen person? <laughs> what? Who's God doing the choosing? Choose people. <laughs> yeah, who's doing the choosing? <clears throat> the devil or God? Come on. I mean, if you if you murder, you're going against God's commandments. How could you have favor with him? I mean, it's just logical. Mm -hmm. But then there are Jewish families that were caught up in this and refused to commit these horrible sins. You know, uh, violating other people. That's a, that's the greatest sin there is, is when you harm others. So, you know, there's beautiful people, and they, they are very, um, Nui Pilid, she wrote a book called the, um, about the brainwashing by the Israeli state of the, of the Jewish people in, in, in the Israeli state. You know, they, they brainwash them from childhood to believe, you know, that they are God's chosen people and, to fear and hate Palestinians and to believe that Palestinians are terrorists and they're against them and to keep the division. Um, and then Miko Pili has been very vocal in traveling around the world and, and telling his story. He wrote a book, The General's Son. And this is a Jewish family, beautiful, beautiful people that, you know, ref refuse to violate their spirit. You know, so anyway, there's, there's, there are those people over there, <laughs> you know, and, and anyone can be a real Jew. Anyone can be a true Jew. You just have to have humanity. Mm -hmm. What are the commandments of Judaism? What did Moses teach us? What did Jesus teach us? What did Muhammad teach us? To love, to love one another. Despite the propaganda, that is the message of all of the prophets. Do you think and that? Hmm. No, sorry to cut you off, but I was saying, do you think that people, like the world population, has moved away from um, 
faith because it's been subverted to the point where you just don't, I mean, you just don't believe it. You know, just like Adam and Eve, like when you talked about the Abrahamic um, line being connected to um, uh, Adam and Eve, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that story. Hmm. Now, is that something that's been like, like, why don't I believe that story? Has it something that's been removed from, uh, you know what I mean? It just, I don't know. I want to believe it, but I feel silly believing it. Does, does that make sense? Well, because we're, we are being programmed not to believe it. We are being programmed to feel that way. We've been manipulated. It's it's actually the truth, whether we like it or not, and mm-hmm. I can, I can prove it. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying lighting. to say I, I don't. I don't believe what you're saying. I'm just saying personally for me, it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it because I feel silly. Even when I went to church, I would always feel silly kneeling down praying to some shit. You know what I mean? It just didn't feel right to me. Like, what am I? What am I? Yeah, why, why are we are here? What are we doing? You know what I mean? Even, I mean, even, even like, where did we come from? You know what I mean? It's like, do I really believe that? And and I don't, I'm not trying to de- derail this at all. I'm just like, I'm trying to wrap my head around, around all of it. And like, do I believe that we came from monkeys? No, <laughs> I don't, you know, I just don't see it. So anyways, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole nother, a whole nother topic. And, and sorry about that. I've been thinking about these things since I was five. I've been deep, deep diving, deep soul searching since I was five years old. So I've had a long time to analyze these things. I've spent a lot of time going deep and doing meditation. But as far as the creation story, right? Um, the, when I say it's bloodlines, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's actually provable through DNA analysis. The, for example, the true Torah Jews, they are, you know, Arabic Jews, Sephardi, some Hasidic, and they are, they have the blood of Abraham. It's in the DNA. You can prove that. So they are descendants of Adam and Eve. It's, you can, it's in our DNA. You can, there's certain, you know, races of people that are descendants of Adam and Eve. These Khazars are descendants of the Doe. We have the same mother, but not, you know, ancestral mother, but not the same ancestral father. This is science. I mean, whether we believe it or not, you know, but they don't, they don't want us to discover this. They don't want us to discover our roots and our ancestries. We're supposed to know ourselves. We're supposed to know where we come from. We're supposed to know who we are. Jesus said, know thyself. And when you know your history and you know your ancestors, Native Americans, they're, they're all about honoring the ancestors and their, their story and their history. We have to know ours too. And this is a, a worldwide thing. There are two tribes, basically. There are many, but there are literally from, from, the, you know, they're the descendants of Adam and Eve. And then there are the descendants of Cain. And the serpent and Eve from that is sin. So that that bloodline is an abomination. They were never meant to exist. A demon and, and a human were not meant to create offspring. Mm-hmm. But this is what happened. 
Yeah. Their DNA is blended. And then the rest are the descendants of Adam and Eve. So the the God, the religion and God and the, the, the true religion of our is the religion of our origins, the religion of our ancestors. It goes all the way back to first man, to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. That is the religion of truth and of God as we were created. And this is what the prophets, when they're chosen to be messengers, it's like they're chosen by God and God is a living life force. So we don't have power over that. It's just spontaneous. And, you know, that God can choose to use any one of us to deliver his message at any moment in time. And so we all have that, that connection. That is what makes humans unique. That's what makes us, that's our power. Mm-hmm. That's our that's our weapon that's our defense against every attack and the quran for example 80 percent of it is all about jihad and jihad is self-defense it's the art of self-defense it's how you are allowed to behave during war and in, in, in um with consideration of human rights of others you're not allowed to harm elderly you're not allowed to harm the disabled or the children or the women. The battlefield is between men and everyone else. You have to treat them with, you know, you, you cannot um, kill your prisoners or torture them. These are against Islam, believe it or not. The so-called Muslims that we see in the Middle East, they're put into power by Western powers. They're put into power by Israel and the United States government and the UK government, these these monarchs, these um, Khazarian, the Khazarians, because they want to control. So the image we have of Islam is wrong. It's false. It comes from Hollywood. It comes from governments. They've created this. Really, 8% of Muslims are moderate, and we need them. We need them in this fight. They know things. They are. They know how you're supposed to to fight the real true muslims and 80 percent of muslims we have two billion muslims worldwide 80 percent of them are moderate they follow the quran they follow the, the the true teachings they're not extremists extremists come in the sect in the 20 percent there are different sects some of them are very extreme and they don't follow the quran at all mm-hmm. and those are the ones that keep getting propped up into power mm-hmm. like in iraq and other places you know with the the ball uh the ball the uh ma party saddam hussein he was put into power by the cia in the first place mm-hmm. and they were extremist group and then they're taken out of power and another one was put into power that's also an extremist group that serves their political agenda and so that new party is has been killing the sunni iraqis because in mm-hmm. their indoctrination which is not true islam it is an honor to kill sunni muslims it's insane. But these are the things that go on, and people don't understand these little details. And it just goes over the head, and then they think, oh, all Muslims are bad. We need them. <laughs> like them or not, I mean, it's usually just ignorance. I used to think Islam was bad because I'm from America, and I was brainwashed to think that. And even after 9-11 at first, I thought Muslims were bad, like everybody else. But then I discovered the truth. And so, you know, we need each other. We have to come together. This is our only way we're going to survive. And I want people to understand something else. Muslims, 
Jesus is Messiah to Muslims. Jesus is Messiah to Christians. Jesus is Messiah to Jews, the true Torah Jews, not the Khazars, not the Talmudists. Those imposters, they worship Satan. They're, they're bringing the Antichrist in. But for the Jews, Muslims, and Christians, we're waiting for the Messiah. And that's Jesus. And that, like, how can Western Christians say, no, 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 no. He belongs to us, not you. You cannot love him. He doesn't love you. He will not save you. You are, you are, mm. what is that? What's the attitude of Western Christians? It blows my mind. They think that, that they have a monopoly on Jesus. <laughs> That's Jesus a good is, way to put it. They do. They don't understand Muslims love him too. And he's going to save them. Hmm. He, you know? And so this, we have, we have to understand these. We have to break down these barriers and we have to come together as one. We need each other. We need each other already. Well, I, I believe that's that we crazy. all need to come together. It doesn't matter what you are. We weren't meant to be apart. We, you know, we, people need each other. You know what I mean? You need connection. You need, uh, I mean, that's why a baby, when a baby's born, if it doesn't have any affection or any love, it, it ends up dying. If nobody, you know what I mean? Or, or it just, it doesn't thrive the way that it should and you know connection is i mean there, there's a reason why they put you in solitary confinement when you're in prison why do they do that because they know that's a punishment why is it a punishment to keep you away from everybody because you need people you know so anyways mm-hmm. um we're, we're at about an hour and 40 so we're like i said we're this is just the the tip of the iceberg here we got some more, some more, yeah, we got some more coming for you down the road. We're going to talk about the Kazarians. We're going to get a whole episode in on that. And we're also going to talk about something that a lot of people don't want to talk about today. And that's transhumanism and transgender and trans anything. Is it all connected? Is it all being done to, to, to bring in another agenda uh, of transhumanism and mixing people with machines? I don't know. But it's another one of those things that we're not allowed to talk about, right? You get canceled just like you did when you talk about, you know, transgender, uh, the, the trans agenda and, you know, what that kind of is. And the moment you start to speak about it, you, you get attacked. And the reason why I believe I'll be able to talk about it is because I, I have an inside. I have a trans sibling. So I'm speaking from a place of knowing albeit from a family member's side, which is completely different than anybody knowing it from the other side. Um, but we're going to talk about that too. And I think that we need to, because we're, we're, we're in a weird place right now where, where everything's being subverted. Um, we're not allowed to talk about a lot of different stuff and I don't understand that. And hopefully, you know, Elon buying Twitter may help save free speech in, in that aspect. But I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm 100% sold on that yet because it's a billionaire too. And, you know, these billionaires have agendas. So, Right. It could be a trick. I mean, he does want to put a chip in our brain. <laughs> right. Neuralink, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, look into it. I mean, that's not very friendly. It, what? What is that? That's not very friendly. Oh, no. You know? Not wanting to hook us up to AI, and so we lose all bodily autonomy. Yeah, I don't. I don't want that. I, I actually like. 
I like my aches and pains, even though they're they're <laughs> becoming more prevalent as the older I get. But I mean, that's what allows me to know that I'm a person and I'm a human, you know, is that, you know, there are normal things or, or whatever. So anyways, a lot, a lot to talk about, a lot coming. Um, and this is part two. Uh, there was a previous one that I will be releasing as well, or if if I haven't already released it, you'll. I might just use that one as um, to break up pieces to to bring in this one. I might not do the whole episode on the other one. I'll just pull out some pieces mm-hmm. of it as like you know um, a preview of this one. You can publish the whole thing. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. I'd let people know me. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I have a very spiritual um, side. I from from birth, you know. I um, it's a huge, massive, huge part of who I am, and and the decisions I've made in my life. So it's okay. It's okay. We were just breaking the ice. I mean, why not let people see it? <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, right? Oh, you're all in. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm, you know, it's it's not easy to open up. I really appreciate, you know, the audience and I hope that my story benefits others, you know, because there's, there are many people who were targeted and, and I don't know, I think it's in the public's interest to hear my story. Um, also people in, in Finland <laughs> and anyway, it's, it's not easy. I usually don't talk about myself. I usually talk about my work and stuff like that, but, um, I had to really fight keep on bringing the truth forward and also um, too we to want we want to know what why i mean people that continue to fight right even through the adversity of prosecution persecution um wrongful persecution the folks i mean the simplest way to put it is like you have doctors now that are, that have come out you know in the last two years that have literally put their careers that they've work their whole life to get to on the line. Now, do people do that just because no, I've never met anybody that's done. That's put their, their livelihood and their, their reputation on the line just for the fuck of it. Okay. Let's just do this. See what happens. It doesn't work that way. People don't do that. If you have a strong conviction about something and you believe in, in what you're saying and that somebody's doing something wrong, you're, I believe them. I believe them because I'm somebody who, you know, has experienced other things in life. And, um, I just, people don't do that. That, that, that just doesn't make sense. And so if they're willing right. to risk, risk it all, then there's gotta be a good reason for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's what drives me is, is definitely my spiritual connection with God. And, and it's something I could never really talk about before either, before all of this, before about a year ago. So it's, it's easy for me to, to speak about it now, but it, before it would be just horrifying because that's my inner private world, you know? Yeah. But, um, I think we need that now. We need, people need to hear that, be reminded of what is inside us all. So Absolutely. I always was, felt like I was, I was in another world, you know, I've always felt like I was, um, one foot in this world and one foot in another. And there is that second earth that really does exist. And it's, it's, I have, you know, mm-hmm. 
always been aware of it since since childhood and that's just a big yeah there's something that motivates people to speak out and to serve others i don't know i think it's the highest calling that there is i mean either being a parent you know serving that that's maybe the highest calling that there is and second to that is serving others Mm -hmm. serving when you can alleviate suffering in other people there is no greater there is no greater um purpose no absolutely i I would i would agree with that statement as well and i want to thank you for sharing your story with with me and my my audience and uh i'm i'm definitely looking for more to come uh in the conversations that we're going to have in the future and you know it might might get me canceled but if that does and if you're out there and if you're out there and you and this does happen what you can take from that is usually you don't get canceled unless you're over the target. Bingo. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> Thank you. I, I definitely appreciate it. Love talking to you. And uh, like I said, you can catch uh, Dr. Love on her telegram channel, which you see right there on the screen, or you can check out her, her uh, journalism over on her uh, WordPress website. She does a, you do a blog and, and all kinds of uh, articles that you've put over there. You share a lot of stuff on your, your telegram too. So, I mean, you know, a boatload of information that you're sharing with people uh, through both of your channels. And, and I want to thank you again for doing that. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> all right. Sorry. A little, little, little lag, little lag there. Sorry about that. <laughs> all right. So it's it's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And until next time, you've been listening to the nowhere to go, but up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.